What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 140 of the VK Bros with both of the VK Bros this week, myself, Jason Von Cannell, and my brother, Alex Von Cannell. How are you this Good Friday evening, bro? I couldn't even keep up on the days because last week I was at the Formula One. Yep. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Flew back Monday. Uh, ate and drank way too much. Nice. Two kilo one. <laughs> uh, awesome event. Uh, beautiful weather. And I have to say, like, Melbourne really turned it on. Uh, the previous year was a nightmare for the Formula One. But mm-hmm. this year, they really, like, they had 60% more food vans. You couldn't get a Dagwood dog in the drink. There was no Dagwood dogs. There was, there was like, burrito bowls and sushi and... Uh, there was heaps and heaps of nice food and they kind of spaced everything out a bit yep. and uh, they also had more cars on track so it was a really good event really nice good event. nice don't go general admission get grandstand tickets we got grandstand tickets we had cover if you were walking around you probably didn't see anything aha uh-huh, fair enough so yeah good event sounds like a great time mm, great time cool what else has been happening this week uh, I've been flat out busy. I've, uh, for some reason, I've done. I'm trying to do like the month's worth of work this week. So <laughs> I, I've done more deals this week than I've done all month. Nice. Basically, we're only one week into it, but um, yeah, I've got heaps going on at the moment. Heaps. Beautiful. Heaps, so it's good. Cool. You? Happy days. Oh, just uh, just kids stuff this week. Obviously, kids normally keep me busy. Jakey did three and a half hours at kindy on Thursday and. He's uh, not not too happy with the being separated from his parents thing at the moment, so that's going to take some time to get used to, but he was a little trooper. He, he did okay on, on uh, Thursday, but it just sort of threw him out on his sleep Thursday night and then all day today, so fun times, fun times. But there you go. There you let's go. get into it, because uh, as stated last week and this week, there's so much stuff going on in the world at the moment that no one's talking about. And before we get started into it, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's, who's watched the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've had a bit of an uptick in views on Rumble, so any of you who are new to the channel, welcome. Happy to have you here. Please subscribe. Okay. Um, we do drop new videos every single Monday. We're 140 weeks straight at the moment. We never miss a week. So please subscribe. If you can, uh, give us a like on Rumble as well too. It obviously helps push us out into the algorithm so hopefully more people can find us and maybe find some yeah, information in the that they need. Yeah, yeah. Chuck something in the comments. Say g'day. Uh, but there's a lot to speak about this week. And I want to start with the banking sector. If you can uh, take us away on that, Alex. I, I was doing a little bit of preparation for this. And this, it's a bit hard this week. So this week, there was some very, very, very surface-level stuff, Mm -hmm. which we'll touch on uh, lightly. But I thought, let's go straight into the meat and bones, and let's go deep. Now, uh, this lady here does some great work. Her name is Whitney Webb. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's got a a, a terrible love doing doing it no favors here with this uh screen grab um uh, she has a um, website called unlimited hangout and she's an investigative uh journalist yep and she very much centers around this the elites of the world Mm -hmm. and uh she's a great speaker now this particular video that i'm going to show you is from the uh show redacted it's Mm -hmm. on youtube i know jason you 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 follow them i don't really follow uh, a lot of their stuff but um, I'll watch anything that Whitney puts up because it's it's always really interesting. And this was this was like a really good breakdown of this particular part. We've had to break it into two separate sections. Now, I do think I think everyone should go and watch the whole thing. It is twenty minutes, so if Jason, you could link the yep um, link the video. That would really really help. But I've grabbed the two pieces that I think were most pertinent because you can go very very deep into the weeds. But there's two specific sections that I want to draw your attention to to start. So I'll just play this and we just need to make sure that the sound is working because we didn't test it. Let's go. All of these are very much tied to intelligence, organized crime connections. I detail a lot of this in my book, but there's, you know, the work of Pete Bruton, formerly of the Houston Post, and a lot of um, reporting over the decades on on that. And essentially what resulted in 
um, um, what came out of that is that, you know, the, the federal government and, and the bodies responsible for handling these types of situations would take the collapse institutions, bundle them together, and sell their assets off to stable uh, financial institutions. And so, you know, an entity like Bank One, which is very close to, you know, Leslie Wexner, was was absorbing a lot of these. And a Leslie Wexner is uh, the guy that gave Epstein all his money. Right. Okay. Yep. A lot of these banks, they, these mega banks, these so-called too big to fail banks, just consolidating, consolidating, consolidating. So you have over time, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of banks all over the country in the U.S. and it's slowly becoming fewer and fewer. Now, this this stuff, she's talking about this in like the 80s and uh, 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. But the exact same thing is happening right now. Okay, so all these little banks are getting sold off to the big ones. There's a consolidation of banking at the moment. Yeah. Banks collapse, and a lot of these banks collapse are engineered. And so this particular article I have up right now about the rise of Jamie Dimon is really just part of a series um, because I uh, also have evidence that in 2008, that was, you know, the collapse of Bear Stearns, Jeffrey Epstein essentially was the, you know, if you want to see Bear Stearns as a giant bubble, the pin that popped Bear Stearns was Jeffrey Epstein. And then he goes and Bear Stearns gets folded into JP Morgan. Uh, and then he starts banking with JP Morgan and all the stuff at the center of the lawsuit that we talked about earlier, you know, are based in that in that period. But, you know, uh, it's a it's a big benefit. Uh, the 2008, you know, economic crisis, uh, you know, was very beneficial to these big bankers because all the failed banks they just absorbed and you know became bigger and bigger and bigger and what we're seeing now with the current banking crisis is much of the same uh, i would argue that you're going to see these uh banks collapse a lot of the i'm sure as you've covered on your show a lot of these banks didn't need to be shut down like signature bank they were only shut down because they were viewed as pro crypto uh, the u.s is having a regulatory crackdown on the crypto industry and now they're being folded into other mega banks it's just consolidation and it's leading us towards this exact plan that was mapped out in the 70s uh of one world economy essentially unbelievable uh, not unbelievable so i find her interesting because she's obviously tying a lot of events from the past from a long time ago that seem to be like playing out now because this is really shocking if you think about it in my lifetime, I haven't seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen a situation where there could potentially be the downfall of the Western economy. I have seen banks close, like GFC was a big version of um, of banking. But I've never seen such a targeted attack. I don't understand, and I know Elon Musk made a tweet about it. Uh, I don't understand why your whole banking system is collapsing and yet you're still going hardcore into crypto, like yeah. trying to fight crypto. And it's like, well, hold on, like, wouldn't you focus your energies on, like, like fix your house first? Because the the Fed has, uh, no, the SEC has sued, so Ripple's been sued since 2017 as a crypto company. Yep. They've just sued, as we said two weeks ago, um, uh, Coinbase, and they've just uh, sued Binance. Today, Australia has now cancelled Binance's derivatives platform. Which, to be honest, I think they knew was coming because I know I haven't had access on Binance to their derivatives thing for like six months. So yeah, I think yeah. they knew that was that was coming. But yep. it just seems weird that they're going so hard. They're, they're putting resources like this has cost them millions of dollars mm-hmm. to, or tens of millions of dollars to investigate these these um, put law suits against these companies, and for what? Like for to what end? Well, yeah, it, it's really interesting. To, to hear her speak about this uh, as if it was a coordinated plan that's been in the works for decades. And mm. when you speak about the crypto angle to this, obviously, if this, if this plan was put in decades ago, crypto is clearly a spanner in the works because crypto mm. is not something that anyone would have planned ahead for, right? Absolutely, yeah. So... So in that regard, that makes me wonder a few things. Number one, it sort of lends a little bit more weight to the idea that the FTX collapse 
was manufactured and designed to, mm-hmm. number one, steal money from the middle class, like we've discussed before, but number two, ha- uh, change sentiment towards cryptocurrencies to being completely negative uh, so people would not want to adopt them. So that's one part of it. The other part, part too, that she's speaking about with, um, obviously you're talking about consolidating all these smaller banks into the larger banks. And something that we brought up on the podcast a few months ago, actually, was, so so I think on, on this discussion that she was having on Redacted, one of the, the elements to it was she was speaking about how uh, a lawsuit has been brought against JP Morgan in regards to Jeffrey Epstein because mm. uh, JP Morgan, the bank, was like the, the accusation behind the, the lawsuit is that JP Morgan was helping Jeffrey Epstein facilitate uh, his sex trafficking business and that they knew full well exactly what he was doing with all these transactions through JP Morgan bank accounts. And something that happened a few months ago was the, I think it was the, the district attorney of the Virgin Islands was actually fired just after bringing this lawsuit in. And something that happened simultaneously at the same time, Joe Biden had actually visited the Virgin Islands just before this happened. And it was the first time in like 40 years, I remember someone writing, that an American president has actually visited the Virgin Islands whilst in office. And it should be insignificant. It it, it absolutely should be. But... As, as anyone who's been paying attention will know, Joe Biden has a history of getting prosecutors fired because this happened in Ukraine back in 2014 when Biden, or might not have been 14, but it was back when Biden was vice president because it was a Ukrainian prosecutor who was looking into uh, the energy company Burisma. And Burisma was the employer of Biden's son, Hunter Biden, at that particular time. And there's a clip, and you'd be able to find this on on YouTube if you looked for it, but there's a clip of Joe Biden where he's, uh, I don't know if it's a a press conference or an interview or whatever, but he's essentially saying, he's telling the story like he's proud of it, where uh, he was, because he was the ambassador to Ukraine when he was vice president. So he's telling the story about how he went over to Ukraine because he was supposed to announce some uh, special aid that the Americans were giving the Ukrainian government to the tune of a billion dollars. And when he got there, he literally said to uh, whoever it was he was meeting with that unless that prosecutor was fired, they weren't getting the money. And they said, but you have no authority over that. Like you're not the president. And he goes, call them. And, and he goes, and, and like, you know, by damn, like, he got fired. And he's like, he's showing off about it. Like, this is a good thing that he essentially leveraged aid that had already been promised to that country to get a prosecutor uh, fired who was trying to investigate the company that his son was involved with. So, yeah. So that, that fits in with this next part that I'm about to play. So I'll go all right, back. Cool, cool. But yeah, I, I think everyone should go and listen to this whole thing because it is really good. But yeah. um, here, I'll, I'll start this part adversaries and at the same time uh the politicians in power who themselves like joe biden uh have economic ties to these same adversary countries are leading us on a march towards war that thanks to these efforts over i have no idea why that's buffering it is not buffered ever 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 i'm showing 100 megabytes per second uh down 18 uh, megabytes per second up yeah. I have no idea what's going on. Your thing's gone slow now all of a sudden. I don't know what is happening. The internet's taken the weekend off for the public holiday. Yeah. All right, I'll keep trying. The decades the US is destined to lose. Yeah. It's madness. It's absolute madness, and we're absolutely seeing it. We're running out of ammunition. You have Mark Milley admitting that if we go to war, we, we have no... We're sending all our money to Ukraine. Right. Or have uh, been. And we, we don't have the production capacity. We don't have the recruitment capacity. And we're heading right into World War III with these countries, which is insanity. What do you hope that you, as a journalist, what are you hoping would come from this testimony from Jamie Dimon in this Epstein lawsuit? What, is there any specific nugget that if you could ask him a question, you would? 
Yeah, ask him about Leslie Wexner and John W. Kessler, because as I noted in my piece, John W. Kessler uh, was intimately involved with all these shady businesses and organized crime connections that resulted uh, that that came out of an investigation into the murder in broad daylight of the Limited's tax attorney in 1985. Uh, very involved in. Uh, very corrupt dealings. And there's a lot of very disturbing uh, financial activity that was taking place at Bank One throughout Kessler's uh, time. And the people that are responsible for, for Diamond being there is the organized crime-connected Crown family, which among other things controls a U.S. weapons manufacturer, uh, General Dynamics. Um, and then and then Kessler in, in the Wexner orbit, uh, you know, he's essentially there uh, why are the same people that put him in, he in charge of J.P. Morgan uh, the same people behind Jeffrey Epstein? And, you know, how could he not have known who Epstein was? Because of those connections, it seems very um, difficult to believe that there wouldn't be any sort of connection there. So it is, look, it's wild. It's so wild. I wanted to show that piece because it's so wild to think that this war could be tied to just, like, this old beef that's happening and this this goal to obtain you know a massive amount of power over the world yeah. and um listen to her video well, follow her um uh britney webb's um like twitter she whenever she does an appearance is always really really good she's very detailed very well she's researched extremely well researched and she yeah. knows how all the pieces fit together it's very interesting and what's really interesting too just to sort of juxtapose this against like the story that i'm sure that most people expect us to talk about is the whole donald trump indictment story right but we don't want to talk about it because it's a media circus every other media company is going to be covering this thing all day every day for the next however many months because they're going to get views out of it but what is fascinating in in regards to these two stories being joined together is that on the one hand you've got Donald Trump having 34 charges brought against him and when you actually break down the charges most of the charges relate to the same activity they've just broken them down into individual steps um it's he's the first president indicted in history out of all there's there's a whole bunch of different cases that could have been brought against him it's probably the weakest one that they've started off with so there's a lot of strange things going on in regards to it's also to, the it's a, also the only time in history the prostitutes had to pay the customer <laughs> yeah yeah but but to juxtapose that so at the same time you've got obviously we're, we're experiencing banks collapsing uh all over the western world you've got this lawsuit against one of the largest banks on the planet jp morgan which no one knows about there's absolutely zero airtime about this uh on the mainstream media there's the tie the, the jeffrey epstein ties to it uh, you've still got Ghislaine Maxwell in prison, the first person in history to be jailed for sex trafficking to nobody because we've mm. never seen Epstein's client list, which they've got, like they've got this information available. So when you've got the the district attorney who's out there, uh, is it Alvin Bragg, who's brought the case against Trump saying, you know, we are, we're holding politicians uh, accountable and we believe that doesn't matter who you are if you commit a crime a crime's a crime and you should be prosecuted but at the same time like it, you've got this massive show trial on which is going to take all the media space but you've got these heavy hitters actually in court right now and there is a lot of powerful people that are linked to this who don't want anyone to know about it and they're yeah. being they're succeeding at the moment well unusual whales i just had that on the screen for audio uh uh listeners i've um unusual whales reported that jeffrey epstein's behavior was so widely known at jp morgan that senior executives joked about epstein's interest in, in young girls uh, per the u.s virgin islands lawsuit yeah. uh, last week google founder former disney exec were to be subpoenaed by uh in the jp morgan versus jeffrey epstein lawsuit so that like in the twitterverse there's uh there is stuff happening mm -hmm. um, so we'll keep an eye on that for you now uh let's get into so there was a story in finance about okay this one here so the the the, the talk about the u.s banking system i would say now i haven't watched heaps of news this week because i have been too busy yep 
but there was not a lot of talk about it from what I could see. Uh, and everyone's kind of going, oh, no, it's okay. You know, it's all right. And, like, even Ray Dalio, who has said that we're coming through this ma- major thing, even he was sort of pouring water on it, going, oh, yeah, no, it's not as bad. But then you see stats like this. So what I've got on the screen is uh, the monthly change in bank deposits from 1973 to 2023. And what it shows is how many deposits go in to how many deposits come out. Mm-hmm. Now, the big spike, so if we go 2008, you can see like over 200, probably 230 went in. That was a big spike. And then subsequent, you can see some pretty big spikes to the negative, over 100 billion in probably 2014 or 2015. Then 2020, you can see a massive skyrocket, like almost 500 billion billion went in that was that stimulus that crazy free money that was around and then you look now we've just cracked 389 billion in the negative so it's the so it says here march 2023 had the biggest monthly loss in bank deposits in u.s history yeah you know and that was supposed to think it's it's okay to now sorry so, so i was gonna say just to make a point on that i I haven't been paying attention to too much news either. Like, I don't really watch the news, but what I do sort of pay attention to is I scroll through the Facebook news feed. I've not seen really any stories about this at all. And I think that is by design because they know that if they if they put stories out there, that people will be concerned and they'll, they may cause a bank run if they talk about it. Well, I know that some Australian banks are offering... Uh, some special bonuses for people to deposit. Right. I think you can go get 4% interest on a term deposit at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, this now is, here's a- sorry, just another point. This sort of uh, validates my concerns I said a couple of weeks ago, how these big banks were going to be tipping off their whale investors and letting them get their money out, but sort of screwing the regular person. Because you can't have that much money coming out with zero fanfare unless, you know, it, it, like that, that I, I'm assuming that's rich people getting their money out and putting it somewhere safe. What do you mean? The $389 billion that's been pulled out, I'm assuming that is your big whale investors being tipped off that there may be a potential bank oh, it's, and them finding It's probably home. everyone. It, it's probably everyone because if you've heard anything... Like anyone that's got sort of half a brain has has probably um, cashed in a little bit, cashed out, sorry, cashed out a little bit. Um, I have to admit, I've even put a sell order on some of my stocks just to, yep. uh, and I'll just park the money on the side and just to see what sort of opportunities pop up. Mm-hmm. Now, this next thing, uh, this was interesting. I saw this, it got sent to me a few times and I was, or well, you know what I'm going to say about this, <laughs> but it reads, last month, the FHA... Now, this is America, okay? So it's not here, but it, I'm sure it will come here. Last month, the FHA approved 40-year mortgage terms to make homes more affordable. In quotations, affordable. Here's how much total interest you'd pay on a $400,000 loan at the 5% rate. So if you got it over 30 years, you'd pay 373000 and $23 interest on 40 years you'd pay $525,817 yeah now what what here's a test for you what does that do uh, to house prices it increases them so it 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 increases housing prices which is then uh going to increase the total amount of interest you pay because you're going to be financing a higher principal at the beginning of it this is like we saw this in the motor industry when um all of a sudden seven-year loans became available and then everyone took them because it made it far more affordable if you could string your payments over seven years instead of over five yeah and then you never see them again because they they can't uh, you can't dig them out of their car yeah yeah now, I so I really don't like this. And because Australia is especially obsessed with property pricing, if this comes here, sorry, when this comes here, yeah, this is going... Like, if you think... When was that you approved? Could, you could afford a place before, uh, last month. See, like, 
that that's the sort of decision that's made that shows you that the regulators don't give a fuck about people like that is all that's a that is a profit opportunity for banks that is Mm -hmm. all that is it is going okay we've got some people concerned in the marketplace at the moment about about banks and also housing affordability so how can we look like we're solving the problem but be profitable at the same time oh let's just do 40 year mortgages let them string it out over a longer period of time it's it is just the the next one that was worse so i'm surprised they came out with the 40 year i thought they're going to offer the intergenerational loans oh yeah that's because that's been floated before where your your kids would take on i mean labor government in australia has got the fact that the government's going to back up half of it yep right for a certain amount of properties but so there's that okay uh the next thing was oh so you you got you got banks you've got interest rates to uh to leverage Mm -hmm. what else can you do to uh stimulate an economy what else can you do to help the economy jason to help the economy yeah if you're a government yes we'll hand out money yeah, so you would uh, do what Justin Trudeau is doing, which is plan. Uh, Justin Trudeau's plan to add billions of dollars in new annual spending has some economists worried that Canada is at risk of racking up unsustainable debt. <laughs> yep, like this is this is where we're at. This yeah. is where we're at. And meanwhile, you've got the deal being done with the BRICS nations. Some mm. people are very dismissive of this. They're saying, oh, it just can't happen. What people, I, I think, are missing is the only thing that needs to change is what currency the oil is bought in. Yeah. Can That's you? Sorry, it. just to slow down, just in case people don't know if they haven't been watching regularly, can you explain what the BRICS nations are, please? So whilst all this crazy stuff's been happening, the BRICS nations have been trying to get together. The BRICS nations are... Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's actually some other countries that have uh, are trying to jump on board as well. So, China has been trying to build the uh, uh, Belt and Road Initiative, which is to yep. try and connect basically the bottom tip of Africa all the way up through to Russia, have the longest trade route um, in the world. And at, at one stage, we were involved in it. I think Dan Andrews is last weekend was over in China for some secret reason might have something to do with this so BRICS has tried to what they want to do is say hey let's let's let the West uh, do their thing and we'll do our thing so let's create an economic pact yeah now you've got China which is the most populous country in the world you've got India which is the second most popular a uh, populated country in the world you've got three of the largest economies uh in the world uh brazil's not a powerhouse but they've got people and they've got i think they've got oil as well they've got resources um they've got resources right so they're almost like a one-stop shop for everything a a uh economic system needs yeah and they seem to be working very tightly but is the simple the simplest change of them being able to say hey let's let's introduce the chinese yuan as the petrodollar or the Petro One, like the, the the effects that that has on on America are devastating. It changes devastating. everything. It changes everything. So that's very interesting to keep an eye on. Now you've also got, and I can't remember if we spoke about it two weeks ago, but you know that that China has just brokered a peace deal between Iran and Iraq. Mm-hmm. Right, America was supposed to do it, never did, didn't yep. care. They it don't looks want like it. China. It looks like China might be able to broker a peace deal between Ukraine and Russia. Yep. Well, we so explored this the other week well. because China mm-hmm. is uniquely posi- positioned to broker that deal because the Ukrainians know if they say no to a deal that China proposes, China is just going to flood Russia with as many weapons as they want. The mm. Ukrainians know the, the Western nations that have been supplying the Ukrainians with weapons they're running out of weapons and they don't have the manufacturing capacity to keep up with uh, how many weapons and ammunition the Ukrainians are using every single day on the battlefield. The Chinese have all the manufacturing in the world. They can go forever. 
and they will. So China is uniquely positioned to broker that peace deal. Well, I heard also that the sanctions that they've put on are motivating a lot of countries to not like to opt out of the Western system. Yeah. Because imagine this, right? So these sanctions have hurt no one. Sorry, hurt everyone, benefited no one. Correct. Right? So everyone's paying too much for stuff. Mm-hmm. Japan, you know, there was the article that Japan had just agreed to buy gas from uh, from Russia and they're just like, like, we don't care. You know, we yeah. need to, we've, we've got supply issues, so we mm-hmm. need to sort that out. A lot of people are now going, well, hold on, these sanctions are all up to the US to decide. And the US is willing to hurt all their friends, all their allies. Like, we're paying more here in Australia for power because of US sanctions yep. that have nothing to do with us. Yep. The war sucks, right? The war over there sucks. We shouldn't be at war. Mm-hmm. But we also shouldn't be paying so much for stuff just no. because they want to... They're, they're trying to pressure them and the pressure's not working because uh, Russia's made more money selling their stuff to India and China who are then selling it back to us. Yeah, that's right. And look what happened to the Europeans when the Nord Stream pipeline uh, got blown up and America swooped in, signed up all the uh, liquid natural gas contracts with them and now they're paying four times more for their energy than they were paying from Russia. So the European yeah, citizens the are suffering and America is profiting out of it. Yeah, and in the meantime, the rest of the world is paying more. Yeah. So they're saying, well, okay, if the, if America is willing to put economic sanctions that affect all their allies for a conflict in two countries that don't really relate to us and we don't really care about, why do we want to be in it? That's right. And if China and Russia are going to go and say, hey, we just want to do deals, like let, let's just do deals. China's got stuff. Russia's got. Uh, uh, resource, Brazil's got resource uh, India's got people and a big thirst for um, capitalists they've also got a lot of smarts, like they're a very fast developing country, yep. like they're going to be the powerhouse, and yep. there was a thing I saw that they were, they were going to bring a BRICS currency, which I doubt what I think it really is going to be is the BRICS nations will, desi- will decide to use the one as the, yeah. the currency of exchange. Yep, yep it's interesting, I I can't remember when I listened to this, but I remember listening to a thing about uh, guerrilla societies. And everyone's got this idea that the alpha male gorilla in any in any gorilla pack, whatever they're called, is mm-hmm. the biggest, strongest, toughest, and most aggressive. Mm-hmm. And in some cases they are. But what tends to happen when you have a leader like that Basically, all the other beta males will get together and have a chat and they just wait around for an opportunity when you're weak and then they rip that alpha male to shreds. And what you'll often find is some of the most longest serving alpha males of certain uh, gorilla packs, they're actually smaller, far better at the social game, not overly aggressive, they treat the rest well. America has been the over-aggressive silverback eight for too long. They have engaged in war whenever it suits them on false pretenses. They have uh, used their economic sanctions as a cudgel to essentially just advance their own um, economical uh, plans and so instead of being the, you know, Team America, the world police, like was their, essentially their job after World War Two, they were supposed to be basically maintaining the security state of the planet after World War Two. Instead of just doing that, all they've done is they've used that position to their advantage to try to take advantage of every other nation on the planet. And they've used their sanctions in the military to do that. And there's only but so long you can this do the this part before that I the beta nations the get together get. and take you down. This is the part that I don't get. Is if you're going to do it, get a profit. They are though. But no, no, no. Some individuals are. So if you were a, in my mind, mm-hmm. if I see, I would always leverage my position too because you deserve to. If you've if you've earned 
the the top dog status than be the big dog, right? Be the top dog. Yep. And if you're going to be the top dog, there are things that you can do to make you uh, more, well, to, to in- increase and benefit your people. You can absolutely do it. But what seems to have, ha- has, have happened is all the leverage has been used for some key individuals at the behest of the people. The people of America are, uh, like, are worse off um, than, than what you should be. Like you, They should be benefiting from this stuff. So what I actually feel like, it's either all a plan, and some people were quite happy to watch the world burn as they profit from it, mm-hmm. or uh, Biden and his team completely fucked this up. And they thought they made a play. They thought this Ukraine thing was going to work for them. Maybe they thought, like, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. Maybe they thought if they didn't do it, China would walk in on Taiwan. They can't afford that. So they had to show um, show some strength. Yep. Maybe they underestimated it. And, and it's it's come back to bite them. Yeah, knows? look, put, put it this way. Like, I, I see what you're saying. I think that the average American civilian has benefited with like from this system for a long time in ways that don't seem uh particularly uh you know it's not right in front of your face like because fruitful. it's just yeah because it's just average everyday stuff like i heard a stat the other day because kamala harris just made a visit to africa and got absolutely shut down by a whole bunch of african leaders because essentially her visit down there was designed to basically stay hey uh, global warming is going to be a really, really big problem for you. So you guys should stop using fossil fuels. And really, one of the stats that came out of that was that um, I can't remember which African nation it was. It might have been Nigeria, but don't quote me on this. But it was one of the African nations where they essentially said the average citizen in that African nation uses, like, has access to less power per year than the average American uses to heat their pool. <laughs> yeah, I'd believe that. I would yeah, believe that. well, I'd believe it too. And that's yeah. one of the ways... So like, shut the fuck up. Exactly. Like, that's, like, that's just how... Yeah. And it, it, that ties in with the banking conversation too. Yeah, because there is a... As part of these Senate hearings, the a lot of these big bankers or these, over, uh, uh, these bodies that are supposed to look after the banks, the only tours they've done to go around and talk about climate change yeah. to companies. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like to, to get back to, to the point before, so I think the average American citizen is far richer than they would, would be uh, because of all of, like because of Americans' dominance in the world. Like the, all the products they buy are much cheaper than they are in any other country. Like there are a lot of benefits to it. Now, I also don't, think for a second that the american government actually cares about the american citizen like i really do feel something and i don't know if it's been like this forever maybe it has but i feel like the game of government is all about how can i steal as much like wealth and labor from my citizenry as i can without them revolting because we're seeing we've seen a lot of that like you know, the the war in Ukraine, perfect example. America has sent like $120 billion to Ukraine, which is its, its, its citizens' money. And we've seen examples of some of that money being uh, laundered through FTX and sent back to the Democrats, at, sent back to some of the Republicans too. Like this is bipartisan. We know that a lot of this money that is sent is just sent in the form of weapons which are produced by Raytheon and Lockheed Martin and that the majority of Congress who makes these decisions has investments in these companies and they all get to get rich together. So... Yeah, that's that's not the point that I was... I, I didn't mean... I didn't mean... So I understand that the West has definitely benefited from, like, from being the world police, absolutely. Yep. What I'm saying is in the very short term, so if you narrow that window to, like, the last three four years yep i think the deals that have been made have hurt american people more than they've helped oh yeah i totally but it agree has with that. helped some individuals yeah, yeah i agree with that i just don't think that the american government cares and i think that yeah. maybe I've... maybe the arrogance of being the world police for the last 30 years and you know the 
we all know what happens. If, if you do something wrong and you get away with it, you're far more likely to do it again. Whereas if you get punished, you, you'll probably pull your head in, or at least you'll try to be sneaky about it next time. Now, if you, if you systemically do the wrong thing time and time and time and time again and get absolutely zero repercussions, all you do is you get more emboldened to do it more and more and worse and worse because you don't ever think that the gravy train's going to stop. And I think that some of that arrogance has even leached out to how they treat their own people now as well. Like, if mm. you're doing that to other nations all around the world and you see the citizenry of all these, world, all these other countries around the planet as nothing... Like, you're sending drone strikes into other countries to kill... Like, I think I saw a stat that, like, out of all the drone strikes that were ordered in the, you know, between 2000 and 2010, eight out of ten people the drones killed were civilians. Yeah. Like, if that's... If you're still happy to keep ordering these things, you probably don't really value human life all that much, whether it's your citizens or not. Like, I I I wonder if it's... I, I bring it back to... I think it's... We're witnessing the fall of an empire the same as the Romans. Yeah. Romans got too big, stretched out too far and just didn't have the economic system to fund it all. And like we said, like we said a couple of weeks ago, um, in a way, the fact that a government has to promote a, an, a, an economy by building infrastructure for nothing. Yeah. To that, like... If that was a business where you could produce your own productivity and your own payment, like your own insular thing, like that business would go broke. Yeah. So, and and, and what... now they're, they're, they're consuming, they're not producing, they're not selling. They're uh, it's 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 bunk. It's a bunk business model. The only two things that America exports is culture and its military. That's yeah. it. And we've we've spoken before about what in history what civilizations who have grown too large and then fallen over what they've become obsessed with just before they fail and it's sex yeah and knocking down boundaries in regards to sex and what are we seeing in the west we are seeing us trying to knock down all these traditional sexual boundaries it's like it follows the same trajectory every single yeah. time. It's really fascinating. I think you're right. Like, I do think that we are witnessing the fall of an empire. Uh, I, I yeah. find it a little bit like it is a good thing and a bad thing to be in Australia at the moment because, on the one hand, we're not a strategic advantage to anyone uh, geographically. So we're relatively safe over here if mm. some sort of conflict was to break out. And you might go, yeah, but you know, someone's going to want our natural resources because we've got heaps of natural resources. Well, guess what? China already gets them all anyway. So I don't think that there's no reason to send people over here to take over the country because they've already taken over us economically anyway. Yeah. But that's the thing that sort of concerns me as well. Like we saw during COVID, when there was a a global disruption of supply chains, we saw how much our quality of life over here suffered when we couldn't get our hands on things that we needed. And and some of the most important things that were cut off were things like medicines, uh, obviously electrical products. We don't manufacture anything in the country, so cars is one of those things. So we saw what happened when, uh, when we were cut off from these global supply chains. Now, here's the thing. If, and we're already hearing these whispers about America planning for war with China and China doing the same, if something was to break out between America and China, well, guess whose wagon we're hitched to? We're hitched to the country that doesn't produce anything and can't give us anything. Whereas we are, we yeah, would become an adversary. To, what's that, sorry? I don't think that's the case. So I, we are so closely knit to China mm-hmm. because we have so much economic movement between the two countries. Mm-hmm. I know on paper... We are we are signed up to the US, but it would be suicide to back the US and not China. And but I mean, like, look, in a way, maybe it's a good thing that our entire country is turned to Labour because they're the most pro-China party for sure. 
Uh, mate, that's like, why Dan Andrews is over there. Just well, I was, gonna, I was literally about to say, how funny would it be if war does break out and we can thank Dan Andrews for China sparing us in the coming nuclear yeah, yeah. apocalypse? Yeah. In Dan, we trust. Maybe uh, we should get a bronze statue. <laughs> let's move on to the next topic. Cool. That's you. All right. So something very, very interesting happened this week where, uh, and this is a complete change of, uh, change of subject, we're going back to COVID and more specifically COVID vaccination. And something that happened quite quietly this week was that the, uh, the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, they cancelled the approval of the AstraZeneca vaccine, or they renamed it Vaxevria at some point. And the reason why they have cited that... So it basically says here, if, if you can... Sorry, just scroll back up. Um, so AstraZeneca... So thrombosis with thrombocytopenia is a rare syndrome that occurred in around 2 to 3 people per 100,000 who were vaccinated with AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca is no longer available in Australia after the 20th of March, 2023. Now, we don't, don't really need to read too, through too much of this, but there's a few points that I want to briefly make about this so thrombosis with thrombocytopenia is the so when you go to the um the tga's weekly uh covid19 vaccine safety reports the only deaths from vaccines that they really log are from that tts the thrombosis with thrombocytopenia and essentially what what that is is uh thrombosis is blood clotting and thrombocytopenia is a low platelet count. So you're basically suffering from clots in your body, but you're also bleeding at the same time because it, you're not actually clotting enough to stop the bleeding. And we reported on this as it was happening. We said it's interesting that they we did. They, they only reported like four deaths, but it was only TTS, yeah. not a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Now, there, there's two interesting points to this. Number one, um, TTS is not the only side effect that's linked with AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca's had a whole multitude of different adverse events, just like the mRNA vaccines. But I think there is something far more specific to AstraZeneca itself, which is why it is no longer available. And Alex has just brought up on the screen here, on the TGA's website, on the Department of Health, there's the COVID-19 vaccine provisional registrations. Now, this is something that I've had my eye on since the beginning of the rollout because the way that the approvals worked in Australia... So, in America, you had the emergency use authorization. We've spoken about that at length, but essentially, as a... as a, um, a uh, to, to explain what how they work, you, you cannot have an emergency use authorization unless there is any other medicine... Sorry, if there is another medicine that is proven to be effective against the disease. So that's why we know they demonized ivermectin, they de demonized hydroxychloroquine, because they needed to have those out of the way so you could get the emergency use approval of the vaccines. Now, in Australia, we don't have an emergency pathway. We've only got provisional registration. So if the TGA thinks that a medicine has met the threshold where they're both safe and effective uh, for use, we can give it a provisional approval. Now, provisional registrations only last for two years and they require you to do a thing called post-marketing uh, analysis of uh, whether it's safe and whether the, um, the use case for the vaccine or the medicine is still there. So in other words, at the time of approval, you would have had two years where you had, would have had to log all the adverse events and all the benefits that you've seen from the medicine. And two years later, you would then need to make a call as to whether or not um, there is still a necessity to have that medicine. So the idea would be if the pandemic's over, well, you don't need the approval anymore because it's done its job and it's all good. Now, can you just um, zoom into this a little bit more? So on the provisional registrations page, you can see AstraZeneca is still there at the top. That was approved on the 15th of February, 2021. So we are two years and one month after that period of time. Now, the assumption is they have taken the data. They have seen the amount of deaths from the thrombosis and thrombocytopenia that have been reported. And they've gone, well, we have no need to extend the provisional approval uh, time on that vaccine 
because obviously it's hurt people so we, we can't extend it now we all know about all of the other adverse events from the mrna vaccines pfizer and moderna here's the key i've been wondering for so long like i always thought this vaccine rollout was going to last the two years because they're going to extend it all the way that two-year provisional approval and then you're going to have to look at all the paperwork and go yeah well there's been too many adverse events and it hasn't helped enough people so we're going to have to take these things off the market but i want you to just scroll down go scroll down. i've seen moderna's down there at the bottom so scroll down all right stop it there uh, sorry go back up so with moderna here's the key the original moderna vaccine i'll scroll up a little bit more sorry there stop the original moderna vaccine you see here there's an approval there from the 9th of august 2021 and then they approved it for aged over 12 years on the 3rd of september then they approved the booster dose on the 7th of december etc 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 however down underneath that you'll see the bivalent booster was approved on the 29th of august now this is a completely different formulation with its own provisional approval of two years so if you go and ask for the original moderna or the original pfizer vaccines those won't be available to you anymore they'll be taken off the market because they've been right. superseded by the new bivalent booster which will have its own two-year provisional approval uh time timeline so they might keep rolling these new ones out. And this is why I think it's interesting where we heard so much talk about variants, new variants, new variants, new variants. We haven't had a new variant in how long, Alex? 12 months? Like yeah, we seem to get no Omicron and then there was just no more new variants all of a sudden. And I think the variant talk was largely centered around getting these new vaccines approved because if you get new formulations approved, that two-year clock starts again, and you don't even need to talk about it. Whereas AstraZeneca, yeah, and like you, they didn't, and and I, I'd argue that it's it's probably a, like no different a goop anyway. You know, mm -hmm. the the fact that they barely tested it, we know that Pfizer's got tested on eight mices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> just rush it out to make yeah. sure we got the approvals there. But here's the other thing too. Like I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about the whole, um, how it appeared that uh, health health providers around the world changed their, um, their treatment plans for respiratory diseases, specifically for COVID, and actually changed it to using drugs that they knew would suppress respiratory function. Mm. And I said a few weeks ago that I'm, con I'm like, I'm not 100% convinced but I think it's a possibility that the original Wuhan strain was no more deadly than what Omicron is. It's just that we stopped prescribing treatments that were killing people. Yeah. We stopped putting people in medically induced comas and on mechanical ventilation, which was causing more damage than it helped. We stopped prescribing things like midazolam in the UK. We, I, I don't know if they're still prescribing remdesivir over here in Australia, but I'm pretty sure that remdesivir has like a 30 percent uh death rate for people that are put on it and it's because of yeah. we've explained before the kidney failure that's a side effect which then make, means people uh have their lungs fill up with with water because they're hooked up to iv bags while they're on mechanical ventilation so like i i'm not hugely convinced that the variants were any more deadly we just killed people with our medical interventions at the beginning of the pandemic that we're not killing now and these new like you're saying these new uh, a, a approvals of of new goops they may not be new goops at all they've just got a new name it's just a it's a rebrand of the product to of a rebranded yeah. virus yeah that's all i think it is how do, okay so how does that work right because i think i'd said before what i'd really like to see is a graph that has time across the bottom yep and it has deaths on the side and then I want, I want to see, uh, so deaths per day. I want to see it overlaid with vaccine, like the number of vaccines that have been given. Yep. And then I want to overlay with what they said the, um, the variants are. Yep. Because I, 
when we were looking at the Google numbers very early on, I thought you could see a very clear sign when the when when the uh, variant changed, way more people got it. Yep. Way more people died, but less as a proportion. Yep. And I wonder if that graphic would help. I wonder if it would support your thesis or not. Well, see, here's the thing, right? Uh, the the Australian Bureau of Statistic more, uh, mortality data was updated fairly recently, and in 2022, we had 190,394 deaths of all causes in Australia. In 2022. The average deaths we have per year in Australia is about 155,000 deaths per year. Now, I don't know what they... um, So I think... So they say here that the... That's 25,235 deaths more than statistically... Like the statistical average. That's what they say. So 15% um, excess mortality. So here's the thing. Uh, what about our, uh, our total COVID deaths? Have we looked at that for a while? We haven't really, have we? No. So let's go covidlive.com.au. Okay, so our total COVID deaths for the pandemic, so in, we're in year three of the pandemic, and 19,933. Last year, we had 25,000 excess deaths. And yeah. I've seen all of these stories about how they're attributing eight to 10,000 of those to COVID itself, or even call it 50%. But in other words, last year alone, we had more de- more excess deaths than we have had COVID deaths for the entire three years of the pandemic. And yeah. crickets, no one is talking about it. No one is like, no government official is, gives a shit. At the beginning of COVID, we had every premier with their chief health officer on TV every fucking day talking about the death toll, the infection number, scaring the shit out of people for something that has not killed as many people in three years as the excess deaths we experienced last year. So, and this is during the Omicron days. Now, two things on that. Number one, they keep telling everyone that Omicron is less severe, and yet it's still killed call it 10 to 11,000 people last year, which is more than any other year of the pandemic. Secondly, that's after everyone was vaccinated. So it is clear as fucking day that the vaccines have not saved anyone, at least on on an aggregate basis, right? As far as like deaths they caused versus deaths they they prevented, I think the the vaccine is in the negative when you look at those, those figures. I think that's the number that's going to come out. I, th- I think I think it's going to show that it it was worse than uh, than if we didn't have it. But the, now the, they'll say there's no way to show it. They'll model it. They'll model it. They'll punch the data that they want to model to show that it will work. Yeah. But um, yeah, they'll say that if we didn't do all the things that we did, we'd have 26 million more deaths. Yeah. The scary thing for me, and and this comes out of that. Uh, TGA non-clinical report on the Pfizer vaccine I read through last week. Like, we may not know the full extent of this for decades. Because mm. what what happens if you do have, you know, young women who got the shot, and I'd say young women, maybe girls now, who got the shot and the spike protein, uh, sorry, the, uh, the mRNA made its way to their ovaries and got into their eggs and their eggs started were encoded to produce spike protein and then they were killed by their own immune system and then they become infertile mm. like that's that's a real potential issue which came out of the document they knew that that was an issue potentially before they even approved the thing and we that's won't know that part. for decades yeah they knew and we've already seen like there, there's so many statistics out there about how fertility in general has been dropping for decades like there's all the stuff about the microplastics that are in everything which are reducing uh you know male and female fertility there's all things about how testosterone in men has dropped like decade after decade for like 40 years so there is already that many challenges on fertility at the moment and that's also my concern is that if these vaccines then come and just assist that that already established issue 
well they they can kind of just go oh yeah well it's just following the trend line yep and they will they'll use anything and look we've just got to be more aware next time so we can do and hold up you know and if we get the opportunity to get these guys out get them out yeah 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 and like you said like i think the biggest eye-opener that i've had in regards to politicians politics everything is it doesn't matter like you know the americans if you if you're democrat or republican cool they want to act like they're all so different on everything look at how they vote on major legislation that negatively affects their own people and it's generally pretty bipartisan in australia it's 10 times worse labor liberal they're basically a uni party they pretend they're all the, or they're all different and then if you actually look at how they vote on key legislation they generally vote together unless it's about divisive culture war stuff like the voice that we've got going on at the moment i think dutton's come out this week to say that you know he's not for it you got albanese crying on tv all the time saying he's all for it this is just the next um divide and conquer tool they're using to distract you whilst at the meantime they're signing on things on the background to say uh push through all of these renewable energies which i'm sure them and all their mates are already invested in so when you funnel all of this government taxpayer money through to these renewable energy sources well hey great news they all get rich together at the same time like that's the game keep us divided and arguing with each other over bullshit while they get their ducks in a row and funnel all of your taxpayer dollars into the investments that are going to suit them all financially happy days and on that note thanks for joining us guys let's see you next week